listening to a podcast from Light FM. The Light Breakfast with Asha and Terry. Good morning. Today on a Spectrum of Survivors for Pink October, we are speaking to Naliza Faro about her fighting for her health. She suffered a stroke, went through recovery for that, then found out she had a life-threatening ulcer which ultimately led to her breast cancer discovery. Naliza, can you sort of tell us a little bit about your breast cancer discovery, how it was diagnosed, the circumstances that led you up to that point. Had you, did you find a lump? Um, was this just a normal checkup? Like, what was your story? It was in February uh, 2020. I was uh, having this pain under my armpit, to be exact. It didn't occur to me that it could be, you know, breast cancer. Yeah. Because during that time, I was driving a lot because, you know, I, I traveled to Kuantan, uh, Malacca and Johor regularly mm-hmm. for to give training. I thought I I'm, I was just tired, you know, and then it could be muscle pain. And usually, like, pain mm-hmm. is not associated with breast cancer or lumps. Usually, they're painless, no. right? No, yeah. I think uh, more often it's painless. I mean... The, even the lumps, you know, if you detect it, you know, it's uh, most of the time you don't experience pain mm. on the lump. But in my case, uh, it was painful. Um, it was like a, a sore, a very bad sore that just goes on and on and on for days, months, you know. Um, and then it came to a point when I could no longer take the pain. Mm. You know, it's really annoying. So I went to see a doctor. Uh, well, I went to a GP mm-hmm. at first, you know, and then I, the GP told me, you know, oh, it's probably just inflammation, you know, and it gave me an anti-inflammation medication uh, for two weeks, you know, and she said, uh, okay, come back in two weeks and, you know, if it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I took the medication. It lessened a bit, but it still did not go away. Right. Uh, I think just about a week after that, I had another pain. Uh, this time, it's in my stomach. It turned out, you know, I had ulcer. And I, had, I was rushed to the emergency. I had ulcer and I, I had that ulcer removed. Hmm. Um, so after the procedure, I remembered the pain under the arm. So I thought, you know, I should tell the doctor, hmm. at least find out what it is. So I told my doctor and she got a breast surgeon, you know, to come and check me. And I thought, what? Breast surgeon? You know, hmm. why has this armpit pain has to do with breast surgeon? But okay, I was just open to, you know, and I'm not an expert, right? The doctor would know better. Right. So the breast surgeon came and checked, you know, and she said, oh, this is a very suspicious lump. Mm. And yeah, she also checked the breast and she said, mm, actually, she, she can feel his, his heart, you know. Mm. There was no visible lump, but it was heart. Yeah, and it turned out that uh, it is a very big lump. That's why, and I'm I am small chested, so so the the lump actually covers like almost the entire breast. Right. Uh, so that's why I could not detect the lump. Right, and so yeah, it was five point five cm. Wow. So what was the actual yeah. diagnosis you were given? Okay, after I did the uh, ultrasound, the mammogram, MRI, and biopsy. So I was diagnosed with HER2 positive uh, breast cancer. It is one of the most aggressive and fast-growing breast cancer. It uh, and mine is HER2 positive, ER positive, so it right. means there's only five percent of all breast cancers. Wow, my goodness! And all thanks to your ulcer, you discovered this. Otherwise, yes, you would never yes, have. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, yeah, I'm grateful for that also, actually. Right. <laughs> On top of that, this wasn't your first health scare. You actually had a stroke back in 2013. 
Did that yes, affect like how mindful you were of your your health to be able to like constantly like want to check and on your lifestyle as well to to make any changes uh, at that point after right. the stroke? Yeah, yeah. I I had stroke. Uh, I had a stroke ten years ago, um, and I it took me about six months to be functional and mm-hmm. another six months to be fully uh, in a full recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so because you know when i had a stroke um uh i actually i was in langkawi do you know the lima air show yeah uh, i was on duty you know we had an exhibition right uh yeah so i was going like two weeks you know setting up booth and everything and mm. going without enough sleep enough food actually we didn't even have time to really eat or properly wow. uh yeah i had only like an average about two hours an, every night to sleep mm. wow yeah yeah and um it, it just happened that the company decided to you know reduce the the team you know at the exhibition team by half so everybody had to do uh you know more work and then i was in the corporate uh, communications team so there was a lot of things to assemble and then you know we didn't have enough uh people you know to do all the stuff so i was you know working all night <laughs> right. in fact mm-hmm. uh, yeah and i think i was overworking myself so, so uh, when I got, got the stroke, hmm. um, basically um, the entire right side of my body uh, was like, well, it wasn't paralyzed, but it was numb. It's feeling numb. I couldn't feel anything and I couldn't lift things, you know. Hmm. I, I mean, I couldn't even hold a cup, you know. Hmm. It would just fall off. Um, so basically I had uh, loss of strength about 70%. So my my strength was only like thirty percent, you know. Mm. So yeah, um, before the stroke, uh, I was very active actually. You know, I was um, climb climbing. I was trekking mountains. Um, that was my regular thing. Wow. <laughs> yes, and wow. I was so, participating in runs. You know, I mean, not 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 the 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 marathons and all that. Not 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 the serious stuff. But I I I, I do take part, mm. part in. Uh, the fun runs like the KL uh, Red Race. Mm. Uh, I, I I did that for five years. You were yes. living such a sort of um, burning the candle at two ends kind of life, you know, this very active yeah. trekking, climbing, outdoorsy sort of life and then crazy mm. busy at work. You had your yeah. stroke, you did your rehab, you came back from that. Mm-hmm. You still ended up uh, nurturing quite a nice ulcer that thankfully happened because in yes. retrospect it helped you discover a cancer, but it did, doesn't sound like you were slowing down much. So what have been some of the biggest changes post your cancer diagnosis that really have kind of sort of cemented in you the kind of choices, accountable choices you're now making in your life that that are so different to before? I have slowed down a lot. In fact, I took a prolonged illness leave to rest. Well, I rest is very subjective, you know. I uh, even though I was resting from work, but I involve myself in supporting emotionally mm-hmm. other patients and being active in cancer support groups and uh, in NGO uh, like Breast Cancer Welfare Association. Right. I am also active in a cancer support group called Hope at a hospital that I was getting treatment uh, at, KP Jampan Putri. Yeah, so, so I was supporting all these patients and I do uh, work, basically volunteer work as a patient support volunteer. Yeah, that's wow. what I've been doing, you know. <laughs> wow. So That's amazing. I guess, you know, with with sort of the kind of breast cancer that you had that was so super aggressive, 
Are you in remission at the moment? And also, is there a family history even of, of breast cancer? Yes, unfortunately, yes. My uh, late mother uh, passed away due to breast cancer that uh, spread to her lung. And in fact, she was diagnosed after I was diagnosed. In oh, fact. interesting. Uh, As a result yeah. of you going through this, do you think that made her more aware in order to get checked out? Uh, actually, she refused treatment. Uh, she refused to acknowledge that she had cancer. She was in ICU and I asked the her doctor to check, you know, mm. whether she had cancer. Mm. And yes, she had cancer and it was a very advanced stage and there was nothing that can be done. Right. Uh, yeah, she actually had it like, you know, I, I suspected that she had it like two years ago, but, you know, she kind of hid it from us. And because she was mm. uh, terrified of the cancer treatments, chemotherapy, because, you know, my aunt, uh, her sister, mm -hmm. uh, had cancer and she was her caregiver. Looking at the treatment that she had to go through, she was terrified, mm. you know, especially by chemo and the mastectomy. Uh, I mean, I had a mastectomy. Mm -hmm. When she found out that I had cancer, she actually, she was adamantly, you know, asking me not to do the mastectomy and not to go for chemo, you know, asking to go for alternative treatments instead, you know. She mm -hmm. said, uh, you know, if you have mastectomy, then, you know, maybe your your husband might not accept you, oh. uh, you know. There's yeah, so much stigma you know, still around it. Know. So are you in remission exactly. right now? I would be like to believe, yes, I have completed my treatment. Right. So in the last three PET scans, uh, no cancer was detected. So right. I hope that remains. Usually yeah. we, we need to, to monitor for five years yeah. uh, to make sure that, you know, it, if it doesn't come back in five years, mm -hmm. usually, you know, they can, you can say that you are cancer free. What was that turning point for you or what's the reason, your personal reason for wanting and being willing to share your journey? Okay. When I was undergoing my treatments, you know, it was the MCO. So I was in the hospital, uh, you know, during my surgery. And when they declared the MCO, I was recovering from surgery. Right. And I was starting my treatments, you know, it was basically, you know, I was in isolation. Uh, you know, you cannot meet anyone. It was too much for my mental health to take. And I was looking for some support, you know, online support at least. Well, I found uh, this cancer support group at uh, Breast Cancer Welfare Association, which I joined, the cancer support group online. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I was also looking for write-ups, you know, write-ups uh, or sharing by survivors right. uh, in Malaysia. I, I mean, I could not find the kind of sharing that I want to read. Usually, patients share about, okay, I have this treatment, that treatment, this treatment, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But I was looking for the more the emotions, they manage their emotions, their mental health. I couldn't find those. I mean, there are sites in the US and other, you know, uh, countries, Western countries. Yeah. But in Malaysia, I I did not find one that uh, that no you know I was looking right. for. Mm. So I thought, okay, maybe I should share. You know, whatever I, I was going through, I would share. And I thought, okay, maybe it will benefit another cancer patient. Yeah. You know that needing the same thing to me. Yeah. So that's what happened. You know, I start writing, I start journaling uh, and posting it on Facebook and Instagram. After a while, I noticed, you know, that I've, I'm getting a lot of messages, you know, from people, from cancer patients. You know, mm -hmm. they, they were diagnosed and they were t uh, afraid of going for chemo. And they were asking me, how was it like to go for chemo? And then I, you know, I shared with them uh, openly. I did not hide whether if all the side effects and all that and how I also tell them how you can counter the side effects, what might 
medications they are and then right. what you can do other than medications uh, you know for example like you can do meditation you can do yoga or you can eat certain things to you know to mm. to reduce the the side effects so i so i share all that and and you know the the the, the three cancer patients who mm. were afraid of going for chemo and mm. they changed their mind and they actually did chemo because right. you know i convinced them you I, saved lives i love the fact <laughs> yeah. that you know you had a need to try because you were all alone in the silo during covid trying to deal yes. with this mm-hmm. you had a need to find a group to connect to couldn't yeah. find it you created the group out of just you yourself and yourself yeah. and then but it still connected you to to others who were on their journey and and sharing i think that's fantastic right yes. and then i also went on to uh, create this uh, support group over whatsapp uh, of cancer survivors cancer patients mm-hmm. and at the hospital i was on i also um, pushed the hospital to create a support group for right. cancer patients so Brilliant. So they did. So they did. They created the Hope Cancer Support Group at KPJ Ampang Putri. So um, yeah. yeah, there are a few of us who are actively supporting patients, uh, uh, you know, uh, right at this moment. Mm. Yeah. It turns out there was a whole community of people who just like you who are looking for yes. that same mm. information and looking for that same support. And you became yes. the support that everyone was looking for. And now there's a whole community behind that as mm. well. It's the Light Breakfast with Asha and Terry. Good morning. And today on a spectrum of survivors for Pink October, we're speaking to Naliza Faro about fighting for her health. She suffered a stroke, went through recovery for that, then a life-threatening ulcer which ultimately led to a breast cancer discovery. Naliza, do you find now people engage with you differently or treat you differently after finding out that you're a cancer survivor? Uh, I find that I'm glad that the circles that I am in have been very supportive and they have been very encouraging and motivating me. They also other another group who are you know inquisitive. They want to find out uh, what is it like. I uh, no holds about. Uh, I mean, Bart, I would share with them anything. Mm-hmm. Even uh, in an, they ask question about intimate stuff as well, and I I share with them. Yeah. So because my objective is to to help you know the other uh, the other person you know to go through you know because cancer is is not something easy you know to to deal with. I mean I would not wish this for anyone. You mm. not even my worst enemy. Mm. <laughs> and of course, all the information out there that people mm. have access to can be so clinical and so cold. To have someone like you who's able to give some warmth and some. First-hand knowledge and yeah. personal knowledge mm. makes a, a very big difference. Yeah. yeah. So, Naliza, mm. you have been a part of supporting so many other women whilst also needing that support yourself. Your sort of position in terms of support groups has obviously changed and you've got more that um, people that you're reaching out to. If you were to give out just that one piece of wisdom... Mm-hmm. Or even when you know new people come and join the group, like what is that first thing you say to somebody if they're like, "I've just been diagnosed," or "My sister's just been diagnosed"? Like, what's that first most important key thing you share with them? I believe it's very important for them to know that they are not alone. Mm. That there is a community out there that they can reach out to get support. Mm. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Even for mental health, you know, mm. because you know, uh, cancer patients uh, get emotional meltdowns, uh, you know, every now and then uh, throughout their treatment, mm. and they also uh, go through the, you know, the five stages of the uh, of, of yeah, and grief. Mm. Yes, correct, the grieving. So 
it is also a grieving. It helps to speak to someone who has gone through it. Mm. Yes, and then you feel guided. There's someone to navigate you through your pain. I love that message because yeah. finding that support group that fits you yeah I couldn't agree more so important and often overlooked it's like the last thing on the list right so I'm so glad you put it out there and because you've had this personal experience yourself there must be so many women who are in the same position as you with their parents their mother their grandmother telling them to go the alternative route to not go forward with you know surgeries and all these kinds of things You've already had that conversation with your mother. You always already sort of risked that relationship by sort of sticking to your ground. What would be mm -hmm. your advice to them if they're facing the same kind of pushback from their own family? Always best to go for something that is more proven. Uh, in my case, I choose the conventional medical treatment instead of alternative mm. because the statistics have proven itself. Uh, you have a better chance of survival rate uh, with medical treatment rather than alternative. Go with um, the scientific. Go with the data. Correct. Go with the data. Correct. You, yes, you can go for complementary treatments because it will complement your uh, medical treatments. Yes, mm. but not uh, alternative treatment on its own. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you so much, Naliza, for sharing just a, a snapshot of your story with us. Very inspiring and uh, yeah, support. That's what's in my head now. Right. Support and sticking to, to what you need. Right. We appreciate you sharing mm -hmm. your journey with us. And next, we'll go do that thing that you've, you're already doing, which is um, enjoying that great Malaysian pastime, which is makan. Yes, <laughs> makan. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, you, Lisa. Thank you, Thank you so me. much. It's, a, it's our pleasure and our privilege. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.